Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to Season 5, Episode 38 of They Walk Among Us, a podcast dedicated to UK true crime. This episode contains distressing themes and descriptions of violence. This podcast is intended for a mature audience. Listener caution is advised. If you Google Rocklin in Kankai, the first articles that appear mention cruel and senseless murders committed in 2000. The views and B&Bs in the sleepy scenic West Cornwall village take second place. The villagers had seldom seen a police officer in the area, if at all. There was never any need for one to visit, let alone patrol. It was that kind of place. But in the autumn of 2000, officers swarmed a family home at midnight when five people went missing. Michael, a father of four, would see his children every other weekend in Telford, where he and his former partner Leslie grew up and later met. Michael was 21 when they got married, and Leslie was 18. The couple crossed paths by chance in the early 1980s. Leslie was travelling by bus on her way to work when she first met Michael Tranter. The pair hit it off, and the relationship evolved speedily from there on. Michael and Leslie seemed perfectly suited, and both wanted to start a large family at a young age. Leslie worked in a care home for the elderly until her first child, Sarah Jane Tranter, was born on January 10th, 1983. Her father, Michael, later reminisced with fondness to a reporter for the Mirror newspaper about the day he married Leslie and the birth of their firstborn. When I held her in my arms for the first time, I was over the moon. Nothing apart from the day I married Leslie had ever come close. 
She was a lovely, tiny little thing. Just six pounds. I took to fatherhood really well. And Leslie was a brilliant mum. Michael and Leslie went on to have three more children in quick succession. Leslie was pregnant with Anne-Marie only a couple of months after giving birth to Sarah Jane. Almost two years later, Steve and Paul arrived, followed by their youngest son, Craig Jonathan. But maybe it was too much too soon and the struggles of parenting a large family quickly made themselves known. The family unit did not stay that way for long. Michael moved out of the home they shared when their youngest child, Craig, was just a year old. Though they later separated, Michael and Leslie stayed on good terms taking their roles as parents seriously. A year after their divorce in 1990, Leslie found a new partner. When Leslie and Lee Ford moved in together, Michael, her ex-husband, saw a sea change within the household. Ford seemed a bit rough around the edges, a biker with a mullet hairstyle. He was not happy that the children's father stayed in touch, often popping over and picking them up. Ford would delay visitation, telling Michael the children were not ready and he should come back later. The behaviour of the four siblings differed drastically when their mother's partner was around. The typically lively kids were quiet, subdued, overshadowed. Other people noticed narcissistic traits when they were in Lee Ford's presence. He always changed the subject of any conversation back to what he was doing or saying, making himself the focus. According to Michael Tranter the previous Christmas, Ford hid the brand new bicycles Michael purchased for all four of his children. Ford made them believe their father had not got them anything for Christmas. There was no compromise within the new relationship. Lee Ford dictated what Leslie wore, and things would soon turn violent. Frequently, Leslie had to call her brother Peter to remove her partner from the house but Ford always found a way to end up with his feet back under the table, persuading Leslie that this time things would be different. In 1995, when Leslie up and left for Cornwall in the middle of the night, Michael, the children's father, had no idea where she had gone. He did not even know they had plans to move. The last time he saw the children earlier in the year, it was a standard visitation, and he and the kids assumed they were going to see each other at the weekend. Michael Tranter later told reporter Deirdre O'Brien, I was in town and I bumped into them, and they were with a friend of Leslie's. So I took them back to mine for tea and then dropped them back later. They waved goodbye and said, See you at the weekend, Daddy. Michael thought Leslie had up and left in the night to escape Lee Ford, and Michael was just waiting for her to get in touch. But that call never came. Michael had no idea where Leslie or his four children were until five years later in 2000, and by then, it was too late. In an effort to distance herself from the one person who she no longer wanted in her life, Leslie cut many people off. She had travelled to Cornwall to be near to her parents and crucially escaped Lee Ford. 
though, he still managed to track her down and behave deviously with regards to how he went about it. Ford made a telephone call to Leslie's parents claiming to be their daughter's solicitor. He requested Leslie's new address, and unwittingly her mother gave it to him. Like so many times before, Lee Ford wiggled his way back into the lives of not only Leslie but her children. There would be a substantial change, but not in his behaviour. Leslie and Lee Ford got married, and since their relationship began in 1990, Leslie gave birth to two more children, Kieran and Leanne. By 2000, Leslie now had her hands full with six children. The oldest, Sarah Jane Tranter, aged 17. Anne-Marie, a year younger. Stephen Paul, 14. Craig Jonathan, the youngest Tranter, at 13 years old. And their half-siblings, Kieran Ford, aged 9. And three-year-old Leanne Ford. It was a busy household with a non-stop atmosphere in the modest, rented, pebble-dashed, detached bungalow located in the isolated spot of Kankai, West Cornwall. Lee Ford, a builder and a roofer, was seldom in work. Instead, he idly sat around the house or at the local cricket club. Not for the sport, but to take advantage of the cheap beer spending most of what money the family had. When he was not out drinking, Ford was in the garage watching the new television he set up in there, where he spent most of his time in 2000. When Sarah Jane was old enough, she left school and took a job at a nearby McDonald's in Cornwall. Being the eldest of her mother's children, home life was tough. Sarah Jane's stepfather seemed to be the hardest on her. He wanted to enforce more rules and discipline. Alarmingly, Lee Ford's behaviour changed towards the teenager, beginning to evolve in a concerning direction. He appeared to be jealous of Sarah Jane's male friends and would insist on picking her up from social events. This behaviour was not lost on Leslie. By May 2000, she could tell something was wrong. It was not long before she spoke with a solicitor to ask for some advice on what to do regarding the risk her husband posed to her children. When Leslie entered a room in the home the family shared and found Ford, her husband, in bed with her daughter. Sarah Jane and her mother were very close, but Leslie had no idea her child had been groomed by Ford. The solicitor duly contacted social services to inform them what they had been told. Frustratingly, no action could be taken by Cornwall County Council other than to offer advice. Sarah Jane was then 17. In the eyes of the law, she was someone who could make their own decisions. Later that year, the new term at Helston School had come and gone. Not once had the three youngest Tranter teenagers attended, nor did they make an appearance after their lessons had finished when they would usually meet up with friends after school at the weekend. 16-year-old Anne-Marie's attendance had been sporadic, with the quiet pupil missing a lot of schooling throughout her teenage years. If she was not in lessons, it likely would not have raised alarm bells. Oddly, Stephen and Craig in their early teens had not been seen either, but some of their books were taken back to the school library by their stepfather, Lee Ford. He told the faculty that Stephen and Craig had left with their mother and sisters and would be attending another school in a different area. 
Puzzlingly, Sarah Jane, the eldest of Leslie's children, had not turned up for work either. Over the following weeks, the last thing her employees at a nearby McDonald's restaurant would hear about Sarah Jane was not directly from their employee. Her stepfather had unsuccessfully attempted to cash in her last paycheck. At the end of August, a text message was sent to her phone, but she did not respond. Surprisingly, although none of the children fathered by Leslie's previous husband were anywhere to be seen, much like their mother, the two children fathered by Lee Ford, Kieran and Leanne were still in school. However, Ford had arranged for their education to continue somewhere else. Also around this time, Ford continued to collect government benefits for the entire family. He had been booked for an interview at the job centre, but he failed to turn up. Ford later called offering his apologies and explained that all the family had come down with a nasty bout of food poisoning. While social services were unaware of their disappearance, Lee Ford spoke freely with neighbours about the whereabouts of his family. He claimed Leslie had left him, taking the four eldest children with her. He told one neighbour he had decided to just get on with his life as a newly single father and raise his two children alone. Ford tried to bolster his claims that he was a warm-hearted and generous parent by asking one of his neighbours nearby if they would be so kind as to keep some Christmas gifts for the children at their house over the coming months to stop his kids from finding them. Pensioner Jack Prowse, who lived two doors down from the Fords, had not seen Leslie or the four teenagers for a while, but did not think much of it. They were not people he had had a lot of contact with, and he described them as quiet neighbours. He told the reporter, In this day and age, families are splitting up all the time, so you tend not to ask questions if people disappear for a time. A neighbour of Lee Ford's parents saw Ford around a week after Leslie had last been seen. Ford was enjoying a pint in the local pub, and according to the neighbour, he didn't look like anything was worrying him. With his wife out of the picture, no time was wasted. Lee Ford reached out to a former girlfriend to let them know Leslie had left for good, and he was single once again. But not everyone was buying Ford's story. People who knew Leslie best felt her disappearance did not ring true. Where was she? Why hadn't Leslie or the children made contact, called, wrote a letter, anything indicating where they were or what had happened? There were so many questions but few straight answers coming from her husband. A couple of weeks after Leslie and the four children were last seen or heard from, Leslie's brother Peter Wyatt called the police from his home in Hampshire. Peter was on hand as he always had been when his sister needed him, particularly when issues with her husband Lee Ford arose. But he had recently become frustrated. Before her disappearance, Leslie had told her brother about Ford and her daughter Sarah Jane. Not sure where to turn, Wyatt called the children's father Michael Tranter in Telford. This was not long after Leslie had seen the solicitor. Michael had not seen his children in five years, so it was a surprise for his former brother-in-law Peter to call and tell him where his eldest daughter was working. Michael Tranter's call to the McDonald's in Cornwall where Sarah Jane was employed was not one of joyous reunion. Instead, the teenager put the phone down. She later told her mother she was stressed about the call. In turn, Leslie got a message back to Michael telling him to back off. 
Lee Ford had been very successful in driving a wedge between Michael Tranter and his children, ensuring there remained a distance between Leslie and anyone in her life. Months later, with Leslie missing and Ford continually trying to fob him off, Leslie's brother Peter called the authorities. The police paid a visit to the bungalow in Karnkai. Lee Ford told them what he had told the neighbours. Leslie and the four eldest children had moved out and would not be back, leaving him to care for their other two children. After the officer's visit, Ford appeared twitchy and purchased surveillance cameras for the house to see if anyone was paying close attention to his property, snooping or searching where he did not want them to. It was then Michael Tranter received a call at work out of the blue from the police. He was told that Lee Ford had informed officers during a welfare check that Leslie and the children had left him and the authorities were trying to locate them. Michael told the police he had not seen his former wife or their children for over five years, and it was only recently that he had found out his eldest daughter worked at a McDonald's in Cornwall. The police again decided to pay a visit to Lee Ford. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H E L P. This episode of They Walk Among Us is brought to you in association with Centair. Ever entered a seemingly perfect space only to feel like something was missing? That's where Centair comes in. With over three decades of experience, Centair leads the scent marketing industry, scenting resorts, retail outlets, event spaces and more, partnering with major brands like Westin Hotels and Snap Fitness. Chances are you've already encountered their fragrances firsthand, and now Centair is offering you a luxury fragrance experience in the comfort of your home. Visit Centair.com to explore their online store and infuse your spaces with unforgettable scents. Centair diffusers are sleek and fill your space with vivid fragrance for up to 300 hours, and the Centair app lets you schedule your fragrance and control your intensity right from your phone. What's more, all of Centair's more than 60 fragrances are phthalate-free, cruelty-free, safer families and EcoVad is certified sustainable. Differentiate your space with scent. Try luxury home fragrance trusted by the pros by going to Centair.com and using promo code AMONGUS for an extra 25% off your first order. That's promo code among us for an extra 25% off your first order at centair.com. In August 2000, the month of her disappearance, an argument between Lee Ford and Leslie had erupted. After finding her eldest daughter in bed with their stepfather, Leslie was extremely worried for the safety of the children 
that she eventually decided to tell Ford she was leaving, taking them with her, and getting a restraining order. Ford lashed out. He picked up a wooden rounder's bat that belonged to one of the girls and hit his wife across the face. He stormed out of the room, leaving Leslie shell-shocked and in pain. Ford went to the garage, but he did not go there to calm down. Far from it. He went there to find a length of rope. When Lee Ford came back into the main house, Leslie was in their bedroom. From behind, Ford used the two-foot length of rope to strangle his wife to death. Gradually, one by one, Ford took the lives of Craig, Stephen, Anne-Marie and Sarah-Jane in the same way. He put the rope around their necks and pulled it until there was no life left. All four drew their final breaths in the kitchen. The boys were wearing their pyjamas. The girls were dressed, suggesting the attacks occurred hours apart. Lee Ford went about covering up his crimes. He requested a small favour from an unsuspecting friend. Ford said he had some wood he wanted to store in the woodshed, and would the friend mind if he borrowed his pickaxe? Unsure of where the younger children were and fearing for their safety, the police paid Lee Ford a second visit, but he was not home. Desperate and with time against them, on October 4th, detectives held a press conference appealing for members of the public to come forward if they knew the whereabouts of Ford, his wife or the children. It appeared Lee Ford had fled, preempting the authorities' interest as the net closed in around him. There was not a trace of Leslie and her four oldest children. However, thankfully, it was not long before police discovered that the two youngest, Kieran and Leanne, were safe in the care of their grandparents in Shropshire. A team of forensic officers swarmed the Ford's home. The plastic children's playhouse and other brightly moulded garden toys were scattered around the lawn. The family's pet dog, which had been left home alone, was removed from the property while scene-of-crime officers continued the search. They found ashes from a barbecue. It was sifted through. There was nothing out of the ordinary. But the twenty-foot woodshed at the bottom of the garden cast a long shadow. It had shielded Lee Ford's terrible secret for over a month. The bodies of Leslie Ford and her two sons, Craig and Stephen, were concealed inside, discarded by someone who they thought loved them. The two living four children had unknowingly been playing outside in the garden for weeks and it was only in the last days of summer before Lee Ford had sent them away to stay with family. The first body was found at 3.30am after nearly four hours of searching the house and its surroundings. White tents and floodlights illuminated the garden. At the time, a spokesman confirmed a formal identification had not initially been possible. Sergeant Alan Mobbs told a correspondent with the Times newspaper, We cannot tell if they are adults or juveniles, male or female. The bodies were found under a considerable amount of wood and were not obvious. They have been there for some time, and there has been quite bad decomposition. After the forensic team had carried out their duties, 
At 10.30am, the remains were removed in a hearse and transported to the Royal Cornwall Hospital where a series of post-mortems would be undertaken. As a fraught manhunt was underway to find Lee Ford, thankfully he was not on the run for long. On Wednesday, October 4th, his car was stopped as it travelled on the A30 near Bodmin. Ford was initially pulled over for a motoring offence. Once discovered, he was arrested on suspicion of murder and taken to Camborne Police Station. Though Ford held back a lot of the detailed information about the murders, Anne-Marie was seen in the town of Penryn about five miles east of the family home on August 31st. But that was the last sighting of any other family members. The correspondence between Sarah Jane and her colleagues at work was another way officers tried to pinpoint a date when she was last heard from. On August 30th at 2.37pm, she sent a text message to a friend who worked at McDonald's. Hauntingly, on September 7th, an incoming text message from the same person read, Are you still alive? There was no reply. While being questioned by detectives, Lee Ford eventually revealed where the bodies of Sarah Jane and Anne-Marie had been concealed. Their remains were initially hidden with the bodies of three other family members in the woodshed, obscured under blankets doused in lime to speed up decomposition. The blankets were covered with chopped wood to keep up the appearance of a normal woodshed. A couple of weeks after the murders, their stepfather moved the bodies of Sarah Jane and Anne-Marie and planned to relocate the others too. However, as he was gradually moving the remains from the property, wrapping the bodies in plastic to transport them, Ford was spooked after the first visit from the police. He buried Sarah Jane and Anne-Marie's remains together on the edge of a freshly ploughed farmer's field about four miles away from the family home. The owner of the vast field had been oblivious to any activity suspicious or otherwise on his land. It was intended to be the final resting place of the remainder of the family, as Ford planned to move them one by one, but following the grim discovery in the woodshed, this thankfully frustrated his plans otherwise the bodies may never have been found. Lee Ford told detectives the night he murdered his wife and her children. He had argued with Leslie over how much he was drinking and the future custody of the children. Ford felt his wife was too controlling and the kids were not letting him watch his television shows in peace. Over the years, he had withdrawn to the garage more and more. When in custody, Lee Ford spoke about the murders, but his motives and the exact date when it happened were vague. He said, The next thing I remember is she is lying on the floor dead. I do not know why or what went through me. Leslie was killed in the bedroom, the four in the kitchen. They were strangled from behind with a rope. The my own hands have done what they have done to five people with a rope is a nightmare. I do not even understand why I did what I did. Somewhere amongst the argument, I snapped. Ford claimed that each of the children had not been aware of what was coming and they did not know the fate of the sibling that preceded them. Lee Ford pleaded not guilty at a plea and preparation hearing, and the Crown readied itself for a trial. 
Michael Tranter had been warned there was going to be an announcement on television. A week earlier, he had had a heavy feeling in the pit of his stomach, since the police called him at work and told him they were searching for Leslie and the children. The televised announcement suggested bodies had been found in Cornwall in the small village where his ex-wife and their children were living. In an interview 12 years later when he felt able to speak about what happened, Michael Tranter said, I sat up all night and then the police came. They told me they'd found a body in the shed at Leslie's house and a field nearby with ground disturbed. They told me to prepare for the worst. Bereft after he was informed Leslie and his children had been found, Michael went on to say, My babies have been taken away from me. I just feel as if I have got nothing to live for. I feel so empty. At their home in Newquay, Leslie's mother and father, Leslie and Margaret Wyatt, were also informed of the awful tragedy that had befallen their daughter and grandchildren from the televised announcement. They were understandably distraught. At the time, her father told a reporter for the Daily Record, We are shocked and devastated. We cannot take it all in. We had not heard from them for a while and we were very worried. All the news we are getting is from the TV. We do not know what to believe. Due to the decomposition, the lime and the length of time between the murders and discovery, formal identification of the five bodies had to be made via dental records. Saturn villagers left bouquets of flowers at the foot of a low stone wall in front of the family's home. Among the bouquets expressing heartfelt sadness was one laid by Michael Tranter. A beautiful memorial service was held for Leslie and the children at Truro Cathedral in Cornwall. The family were laid to rest in the same plot sharing a headstone, deprived of an exact date their lives were taken. Below their names and ages, the black headstone reads, September 2000, tragically taken away from their loving father and family. I will love you and miss you always, Dad. Engraved on either side of the memorial are two football players, a sport the children enjoyed with their father. Above two interlocking gold hearts are the words, Our hearts will go on. In May 2001, Lee Ford showed no emotion at Bristol Crown Court when he changed his plea to guilty for all five murders. The circumstances which led to Ford's arrest were laid bare to the court, how he became more and more strict with the children, how he groomed Sarah Jane, and how the murders were not committed in the heat of the moment one after the other but throughout the evening and subsequent morning. Acting for the Crown, Nigel Pascoe QC told the court, The significance of this may be the tension which arose from the sexual relationship which unquestionably the defendant had with Sarah Jane. He was openly and forcefully jealous of Sarah as she sought friendships with young men of her own age. We say by any standards this was an enormous and pitiful tragedy and tale of true horror. 
the sheer mechanics involved in five separate and virtually identical killings suggest a careful and planned homicide. This was not a crime of passion, Pascoe said, but of savagery. Lee Ford claimed to have been, quote, in a relationship with Sarah Jane for almost six months before committing the murders. This time frame would coincide with her just turning 17. Ford had met Leslie, Sarah Jane's mother, a decade earlier. He had been Sarah Jane's stepfather since she was seven years old. What Lee Ford perceived as a consensual relationship was the abuse and grooming of a child in his care. The only witness left to explain what happened between Lee Ford and Sarah Jane was Ford himself. Still, it is known Leslie was seriously concerned for her child as early as May 2000 when she contacted a solicitor. Though Lee Ford didn't expressly provide a reason for murdering his family, it was postulated by detectives that his motivation was to keep the abuse of his stepdaughter a secret. Ford had told police an argument erupted with Leslie when she had threatened to leave him, taking all six of her children with her, including his two biological children, Kieran and Leanne. During mitigation, Jamie Tabor QC, representing Ford, said a mixture of factors caused the detachment between his client and Ford's family. While it was clear Ford feared Leslie was about to leave, finding a straightforward answer as to why Ford did what he did was not that simple. Tabor stated, This entirely horrible and tragic event has no rational motive. There is no easy explanation. It was clear Ford's method for killing Leslie, Sarah Jane and Marie, Craig and Stephen was calculated and precise. An examining home office pathologist remarked that, quote, It was a silent and very efficient form of killing. There were hardly any marks or bruises on the victim's necks. Before Lee Ford was sentenced, Andrew Tranter, brother of Michael and uncle to the children, spoke with the Guardian newspaper. Ford will get what he deserves, Andrew Tranter said. We are hoping life will mean life. He took the lives of five people, and he should get life without release himself. Lee Ford was handed multiple life sentences by Judge Mr Justice Hooper, who told the man who murdered his wife and four of her children. On all five counts of this indictment, he will go to prison for life. Ford would have to serve a minimum of 27 years before being considered for parole. Detective Chief Superintendent David June, who led the inquiry, spoke with reporter Richard Saville about how Lee Ford recognised what he had done. Still, the man convicted of multiple counts of murder could offer little in the way of motive for his actions. DCS June said, It is possible that the sexual relationship between him and Sarah Jane, which we uncovered in our investigations, could well have been something coming to the fore, and he could not stand the outcome of that relationship becoming known to others. There were more questions than answers for Leslie's ex-husband and the children's father, Michael Tranter. I want to know what happened and why it happened, he said. Whether it will ever come out, I don't know, but I really hope it does. He knew he was guilty. I knew he was guilty, and everyone else knew he was guilty. 
there is no way he could have got out of it. So where are we now? As soon as the investigations were concluded in the rented Ford family home, the owner demolished the woodshed where the bodies of Leslie, Stephen and Craig were found. The senseless murders of Leslie and her four children, Sarah Jane, and Marie, Craig and Stephen, left a void in the lives of family and friends, particularly their father, Michael. Leslie's two surviving children, Kieran and Leanne, moved to the north of England, where they live with their uncle, Leslie's brother. The children's maternal grandmother, Margaret Wyatt, cut the ribbon to open a play area in her grandchildren's memory in 2002. Built in the village of Karnkai, a memorial plaque was positioned on the gate. Speaking about what happened, Margaret Wyatt said, You never get over it, but we appreciate that so many people have clubbed together to dedicate this park to their memory. I would like to thank everybody for what they have done. In 2014... Michael Tranter spoke with the Shropshire Star. He voiced his concerns about Lee Ford's potential release. If a parole board deems that Ford no longer poses a threat to the public, when the convicted murderer's minimum term is complete. Ford had not been given a whole life tariff. It is feasible he could be released when he is a pensioner. If that happens, Michael Tranter felt he would not be able to get closure. I've got a thing in my head that says he probably won't ever come out. But I would rather know that for sure, Michael said. I would rather know he won't come out. He shouldn't come out. A whole life order means there is no minimum term set by a judge. The convicted person will never be released. In these rare cases, life does in fact mean life. In mid-2020, there were reportedly only 63 prisoners serving whole life sentences. Prisoners who have been handed whole-life orders include murderers whose names are often mentioned in the press, some of whom have died behind bars. Peter Sutcliffe, Harold Shipman, Dennis Nielsen, or Rosemary West, who is still serving her sentence. reflecting on the time he spent with his first wife and their children. In December 2012, Michael Tranter recalled his feelings then and now. Speaking of Leslie, he told a reporter for the Mirror newspaper, I loved her from day one. I love her to this day. No one could say I said a bad word against her. There was only one word and that was love. And that goes for the kids too. I love them. I still love them. And I always will. It's coming up to Christmas now and I think another Christmas without them. If they were here I'd be buying presents for their kids now. They'd be calling me granddad. But instead they are lying in their grave. I am haunted by the fact that he did it. I can never say his name. Might get out of prison one day. He's 45 now. And I don't know if he isn't coming out in 15 years. I don't understand how some people in life can say they forgive. I do not forgive. I never could.
if you or someone you know is experiencing domestic abuse and needs support. Please visit nationaldahelpline.org.uk or call Refuge in the UK on 0808 2000 247. Thank you for listening. A special thanks to our new Patreon producer, Sydney Davis, and everyone who supports us on Patreon. For more information on this episode, please see the show notes or visit our website, theywalkamonguspodcast.com. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.